Hello everyone and welcome to part four of our creation series. My name is Pastor Rod Plummer from Tokyo, Japan, and I'm so excited to talk to you about how God is going to create on days one, two, three, four, five, a world ready for Adam and Eve. So these five days of creation are preparation for the big day six and then day seven where God rests. So day one to five, it's in it's in Genesis chapter one, verse three to twenty-three. So as we start this, I just want to go back to the very beginning, Genesis 1 1. And we're going to read from the ERV. And it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was completely empty. There was nothing on the earth. Darkness covered the ocean, and God's Spirit moved upon the water. So God created the heavens and the earth. Butter. We talked about this word butter creation out of nothing. Just God created, and God, God is filling. Because God is the only one that can do this butter work, this creation out of nothing. So when we we read in chapter 1 verse 2 that God created the earth, it's not yet ready for Adam and Eve. It's it's tohu vabohu is the Hebrew. And in that concept is exactly what it says here. The earth was empty and there was nothing on the earth. It wasn't ready. There wasn't oxygen. There wasn't plants. There wasn't things in, in the right formation in the heavens. God had created the heavens and the earth, but now he's going to do five days of preparation ready to put Adam and Eve. Dr. John Walton, Walton calls this God is creating a home, not just a house, not just the technical proportions of a house, but God is creating a home, a beautiful planet, a little blue planet called earth ready for Adam and Eve. I love that. This is not a house story. So God is not trying to talk about science with us. This is a home story where God is talking about the environment of love and care and preparation ready for Adam and Eve. I hope you get that. The earth in chapter 1 verse 2 is created but not ready. And so we come to chapter 1 verse 3, the beginning of day 1. So day 1 is Genesis 1 verse 3 to 5. We're going to read straight through it. This is what John Walton, Dr. John Walton calls the creation of time, the concept of time. Genesis 1 3, and God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. This is day one, and it is the the ready, the getting ready of time zones. There was day and there was night. There was parts of the day that was light and parts that were dark. This is the creation of the concept of time. Very, very important creation for man to live in. And in this day one, we're going to notice that God, Elohim, his name is in this picture, the, the, the mighty power, the mighty power God is going to have five activities, five things he does. He, I'm just going to read them out quickly. He, he says, he saw, he separated, he called, and he rested all in day one. So we see Elohim, God. We're going to call him God from now on because that's what our English Bible says. We're going to see this God has many wonderful activities getting earth ready to be a home for men. Even on day one, we're going to see this. And, and the, the first word is God said. So 
God said, let there be light and there was light. This is so famous. It's God speaking and there was. This is the power that God has and that we need to understand God has put in his word, even in his Bible, the authority that we understand who God is, who we are, what the earth is, what God's purposes are in his holy Bible. God speaks and it's called God's word. Very important. Now, God sees and God speaks and there is. So I want to talk about this power of God's word. God said, God said, and there was. This is very important for us Christians to understand. In in, in Psalm 33, verse 6 and 9, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. Word and breath are sort of interchangeable here. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm or was established. So the word of the Lord is how God creates. God sees, God imagines, and then God speaks. And it is. It is so. That's what we read in the Bible. Isaiah 55, 11, I love this verse. It says, So is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God doesn't speak any random words. He speaks words of creation and later he's going to speak words of purpose and love. Right now he's saying my word will do exactly what I see, what I purpose, what I desire. When my word goes forward, it will create. I love that. That is a wonderful verse for us Christians to know that when God speaks purpose and God speaks design, it is going to happen. When God speaks prophecy, it's going to happen. When God speaks um, prophetically, it's going to happen. I believe in the word of God. I believe God is a creator and he is an imaginer and he is a speaker and it comes to being. And so when we come to prayer, I think it's very important we connect with God and say, God, would you would you speak? Would you do? And 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 that's called uh, communion with God. Uh, Romans four verse seventeen says, "As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations." Speaking to Abraham, he is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead. Listen to this. And calls into being things that are not. He calls. He speaks and it is. He calls and it appears. I believe in this supernatural God, don't you? And I think it's important we as Christians know that God is able. God is able. God is able. I keep saying it. God is able. Whatever your problem is, God is able to speak a solution. God is able to build his church. God is able to help us in our time of need. Um, just one more scripture, John chapter 1, verse 1, it speaks about Jesus in the creation, our Lord Jesus. It says, in the beginning uh, was the Word, the Word of God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was and is God, and He was in the creation right at the beginning. We're going to come back to that um, maybe uh, in, in number five, our last creation point. But I want to say clearly, God speaks God speaks then, he speaks today, he speaks to you. We call it journaling. We open his word and say, God, what would you say to me? What would you speak to me? 
All of God's word is God's word, but we're asking for an alive word from God when we journal. This is how we grow as disciples. We're hearing God's powerful, wonderful word, and when we hear it, we know it's going to be true. Okay, number one, God speaks. The, um, just before we move on to number two, I just want to talk about this thing about light. Um, even before the sun was created, there was light. Um, we know this is true from this scripture. Uh, it says in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So God is light. When we talk about the light, uh, God is light and whether there is a sun or not, there will still be light. This is true right through scripture. It talks about God in, in uh, Psalm 104 verse 2. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment, as with a cloak. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. God is light. He doesn't need the sun and stars and moon to give light. He is light. Now, this is really important in the last days. But let me read one more scripture uh, from Psalm. Psalm 43, verse 3. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. God is light and he brings light and he speaks light. And light speaks of this awakening this aliveness in our heart. God is light. He brings light. It's so wonderful. In the book of Revelation, right at the end, where, where after, the, uh, after Jesus comes back to the earth and, and God's going to create a new heavens and earth, it says um, that the Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, is coming down from heaven as a big, powerful city. I think it's going to look like Tokyo on steroids. I love Tokyo, but God's New Jerusalem is going to be even more beautiful. And it says this in Revelation 21, 23. The city, Jerusalem, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it gives its light, gives it light. And the lamb, uh, and the, la- the lamb, its lamp. And so it's saying God will bring his own light. We don't need a sun. Uh, we've got God. God's light is all that we need. Now, I want to talk about God seeing. God saw it was good. When God creates, God speaks and says, it is good. This is a Hebrew word, tov. Now, the word tov is very important. God is good. God is tov. God is completely good. But part of the concept of this word good is functioning properly or having its purpose. So when God saw something that's right and good, he's sort of like, God hasn't got a big thumb, but you know what I mean. Like God puts his thumb up and says, it's good. It's what I wanted. It's exactly what I wanted. And it says in 1 Timothy 4.4, everything God created is good, is good. That's the New Testament word, good, but it's speaking about this concept of everything's in order. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving from God. So everything God does is good. What about the bad in the world? Well, that's another story, but that comes from the devil and comes from evil desires. But God creates what is good. God's creation is very, very good. This word good, Dr. John Walton speaks about this word good. It means it's functioning properly in the plan. It's right in the plan and it's functioning well and it's all going to be good. It's all happening. It's like uh, God's checklist. Uh, it got, you know, a pilot going up is going to put checklist, fuel, check. Uh, passengers are on board, check, whatever. The check. So good. God seeing as good is like check. Uh, God, day one, 
light and day, time, check. It's all functioning correctly. God sees it is good. He sees it and he speaks it. It's very, it's very good. Now, there is one occasion where God says it's not good. It's quite a a humorous little one. It's in chapter 2, verse 18, where it says, God says, it is not good for man to be alone, right? They're going to have a dirty, dirty apartment, dirty socks. You know, man needs a woman. I'm sorry, ladies. I don't mean that you're there to wash for him. But men alone don't do well, all right? Um, I hope you don't take this out of context. Men alone don't do well. Men need to be with a wife. And women need to be with their husband. We believe this is God's plan. This is good. And so when man is alone and decides to live alone, it's not going to be the full, the full plan of God. Um, uh, John, John Walton says it, it's not good in the sense of not functioning in the right order. There's, I mean, man alone can be very good as a person, but the plan of God is, is to be together and, and create beautiful children and, and live um, in God's plan and I know that's more complex than that these days, but that's the plan. It's the plan. God saw his plan in chapter 1 was good. The, um, the third verb or activity of God is God separates. He separates light from darkness. Now, some people today in our modern world want to put everything together and say everything is love and everything is good. And that's not what the Bible says. God separates light and darkness good and bad, up and down, in and out. Life is full of separation. Separation. Even the word love in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, it talks about love does not like, does not rejoice with bad. God's world doesn't rejoice with bad. There is a separation. I want to tell you, life is not just about living every day without values and standards. No, no, no. We've got to make good decisions. And good decisions are based upon understanding light and darkness. Good decisions in life are based upon getting God's word and reading it and say, aha, God doesn't want me to do that. That will lead to pain. Aha, God wants me to do that. That will lead to blessing. Some people today are trying to put it all together, but there is a separation. The whole New Testament is written that we would know God and know his grace to be saved. But now we're saved. He's going to speak to us about a great life. A life worth living, a life with separation. So in marriage, I've got to separate my past life and my bad life. If I want a good life, I have to separate. Don't think separation is a bad thing. Sometimes you've got to make a decision. Sometimes friends won't like your your area of separation. Sometimes people will not understand. This is called persecution, where we actually stand for something. And we've got to know that God is with us. If God calls us to live a separate life, or a separate way of thinking, we've got to know God is good and God has a good plan. But God brings separation. He does. He says, hey, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. It's an internal system of separation. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says to you. And I believe he's going to lead you in an amazing life. Number four, activity of God. It says God called. God called the name. He, he called the, the um, let's just go back and read that. Um, it says that he, uh, he, um, he separates the light from the darkness. He calls the light day. Why doesn't he call the light light? Because he's actually wanting to bring in a time frame, a time frame called day. He calls the darkness, he calls night. Why doesn't he call it darkness? Because he wants to call it 
a time frame. And so God calls. God calls and names. Now listen to this. It's pretty exciting. I, I love this. Associated with this thing of God calling is God names. God gives order. God gives function. You ready for it? God gives purpose. God calls and gives purpose. And whenever you read God calls and names in the Bible, there's always a purpose. Even people's names have a purpose. You know, Adam Adam was called to name the animals. He was given a great job by God to give purpose and give significance to different animals. So when God calls something, it's not random. It's purpose. It's significance. And we need to know that God sets purpose into creation on day one. On day one, he's already setting purpose. And the last word in day one of God is God rested. It doesn't mention the word rest, but it says there was evening and there was morning day one. What that's saying is God ceased creation activity in the evening, in the time where in in the old days where the sun goes down in the evening and the farmers all went to bed. So the picture is God stops creating at a certain point and he calls it evening. It's the end. It's the time zone. It's an end. And God even rests after day one. God rests. And in in the creation study number five, we're going to talk about day seven, where God has a very, very big rest. But at the end of days one, two, three, four, five, and six, God rests as evening and there's morning and there's a time of resting. So we see that God creates and God pulls back from creation. God is active, God is involved, and God also looks over his creation and says, it's good. We're going to talk about day two. Day two. This is creation of weather, of the weather and the environment, the atmosphere all around us. We're going to read verse six to eight. Genesis one, verse six to eight. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault uh, sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Day two, the creation of the atmosphere. Getting ready for Adam and Eve. Day one, the creation of time and time zones. Day two, the creation of atmosphere and weather. Getting earth ready for day six when he's going to put man on the earth. So this is the creation of the 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 atmosphere, the the oxygen, the air bubble all around the earth, the the ozone to protect us from the sun's uh, harmful rays. Um, gravity. Earth has its own gravity because of the moon and because of the, the sun. And, and, and gravity is perfect. Um, God creates the clouds and the wind and the, the air currents. God creates the, the, the air atmosphere now ready for the creation of plants and animals. God had to get that ready first. So day two is very, very important to us. And it says that God created um, and it was so. It was, the Hebrew word is ken, ken. It was so. It was good. God created it basically and it happened like that. God said it and he wanted it and it happened just like that. It was correct. It was right. It was in order. It was in purpose. It was right. God creates and it's right. And just one last thing about this day is it says heavens, God created the heavens with this particular um, characteristics. 
The word heavens there means the, the heavens around us, not just in the space, in the, the outer space, inner space, but the environment. So heaven actually in the Hebrew means the, the air around us or the, the atmosphere all around us. This is really important in the New Testament where it talks about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven in the New Testament in the book of Matthew talks about God's rule in this sphere. And I believe that God is in control of this sphere of the earth around us. This is day two and God rests. There was evening and there was morning at the end of day two. Day three, are you ready? God is going to create food for human beings and later for animals to eat. It's a preparation of the earth for the home, for the home, it's the preparation of food. So in day one, time, in day two, weather, in day three, food, that's enough already for living things to live. God is getting ready for plants and later for animals and human beings. So we're going to read day three, which is Genesis 1 verse 9 to 13. Are you ready? There's a a few verses here. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be collected. Note that collected or twisted is the actual word, twisted into place, under one place, and let the dry land be seen. And it is so. It is Ken. It's it's it happened. And God called to the dry land, earth, you're called earth, and to the collection of the waters, he called seas, you're now called seas, and he saw it was good. That's that word tov. It was in order. It's all right. And God said, let the earth yield tender grass, herb, sowing seed, fruit trees, whose seed is in itself. In other words, it's able now to reproduce the seeds, making fruit after its kind on the earth. And it was Ken. It was so exactly what God said. Verse 12. And the earth bringing forth tender grass, Herb sowing seed after its kind. After its kind means it's going to keep reproducing that same DNA. Can't change. It's same DNA. And tree making fruit whose seed is in itself after its kind. And God saw it is good. It is good. And there was evening and there was morning. Day three. A third day. This is the third day God creates plants and um, seeds and fruit and nuts. This is a good day, right? We love this beautiful greenery of the planet, the forests and the and the, the palm trees and the banana trees and the mango trees. Come on. Come on. You know that's good. You know that's tov. That's that's good right there. And uh, for all you Southeast Asians, he made durian. Dur- I don't know why I said that, but anyway, he made all sorts of trees, nuts, dates, fruits, beautiful, beautiful um, food for man. To eat. So here we go. Some few points about day three. Number one, God it says God collected sea and land. I think this is where he made the contours of the world. Um, he made the mountains. And here in Japan, he, he made beautiful Mount Fuji, a, a single mountain on its own that everyone loves. And he made the mountains and the plains. He made the, um, he made the hills, the beautiful hills around um, Jerusalem and Judea, the hills. And he put plant there and uh, beautiful parts of Australia and beautiful parts of Japan and your country and, and, and other parts. It was plains. God, it's, it, word collect means to twist. It means he, he, he did the contours, the, the, the whole uh, plan of the planet. God planned 
the planet and he planned it says in in acts chapter 17 it says god uh planned us to live in a certain part of the planet um that's called uh destiny that's that's god planned us to live in our patch in our part of the world the dry land he calls land this is the second word for the word land in in chapter 1 verse 1 god created the heavens and the earth meaning the whole planet here It's saying the dry land is now another word for land. The the Hebrew word eretz is very, 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 very important word. A lot of the trouble in the world is about wars over land, over territory. And so here it's saying there's parts, there's different parts of the land of this eretz. So not only is land planet, but land is parts of the world. In fact, it's going to be called the land that God gave Abraham. That's Israel. And the land I'm in now is Japan. This is another land. And so God created different parts of the world with purpose. The Number three, the vegetation is all there on one day. Every part of vegetation is in place. Everything you love to eat is, is prepared on day three. Number four, it's according to its own category or time, uh, category or kind, I'm sorry. The, this means that the mango tree must always bring forth mangoes. The apple tree must always bring forth apples. There's no crossover of DNA in this plan of God. It is absolutely beautiful and perfect. The, and my last point is that this, this plan of, of, of plants and nuts and seeds and fruits is to continue until the end of time. It says in Genesis 8.22, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. This production of plants must be protected. We are believers and we believe in protecting this beautiful house that God has placed us in. And Matthew 5.45 just says, no matter whether we're believers in God or not, we, we receive the blessings of God. It says that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes, God causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now the crops of the world The goodness of God, even people that don't know God, even people who are not good people will have the same blessing of fruits and nuts and plants because God created for all the earth. And that's the end of day three. Day three, we're getting through our study. We've got two more days to do in our study before we finish. Day number four, there's sort of nothing there's not, not a new concept, but now God is starting to fill what he has already created. So days four, five, and six, the earth is ready, actually. The earth is ready for, for life. There's plants. The earth is ready for new types of life. And all of a sudden in day four, we're going to see God fills the sky with plan and purpose. Are you ready? Here we go. There's a lot of scriptures here. Look in Genesis 1.14 to 1.19. And God said, Let luminaries or lights come into being in the firmament of the sky for for the um, uh, illumination of the earth to separate between the day and between the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So the lights are for two things, for light and for signs or seasons verse 15 and let them be for the illumination in the firmament of the sky so as to give light to the earth and it was so it was ken that was exactly like that 
And God made the two great luminaries, two, the, the great luminaries for rulership of the day, that's the sun, God creates sun, and the lesser luminary for rulership of the night, that's the moon, and the stars. So God, sun, moon, stars, God, God puts them in their place. Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament of the sky so as to give light upon the earth. Verse 18, and to rule the day and night and to separate between the light and between the darkness. And God saw it was good. Tov. It was in order. It was right. It was ready. And it came to be evening and morning the fourth day. God rests in the fourth day as well. So from this, there's two main points in day four. Number one, God sets the universe in order, in order to bring light, to bring to, to be perfect in darkness, to have the moon and the stars. And so we live in a world full of, of electricity. But way back then, the, the, the only lights at night was the stars and the moon. And then, of course, you could make some fire. But it was a different world back then. Um, these lights are, are, are the lights as we know it. Now, in verse 1, it says God created the heavens and the earth. And you're saying, well, this sounds like another creation. No, no. I believe God is setting them in their orbit, in their place. Now, listen to what Sir Isaac Newton says, probably the most famous scientist of the Middle Ages. He says, gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who sets the planets in motion. So I would say in Genesis 1-1, God creates the heavens and the earth. The planets are there, but now God is setting them in perfect gravity and perfect motion to go around the sun in our solar system. This solar system, we've got the sun and I don't know how many planets, there was nine or ten, depending on what uh, what's way out there in space. Um, and there's other uh, solar systems. There's then the galaxy and other stars and the Milky Way. And But in our solar system, God sets it perfectly so that everything goes around the sun. The earth goes around the sun in 365 and a, a third day or whatever it is, a quarter day. What I forget my, my, my science. Uh, but the earth is perfect in its orbit and its axis and its rotation and its speed and its gravity. It is perfect. And the moon helps the tides and helps the gravity. And the whole thing is set in place beautifully ready for the next day. So God creates all those things for our house to live in. Lights, beautiful lights. And I've been in many places out in, in the wilderness and looking up and there's just thousands of stars. It's so, so beautiful, right? Here in Tokyo, we can hardly see anything. We can see the moon at night, but not much else because of the other lights. Anyway, the second thing is for signs, omens, seasons, special, special times. This is like um, celebrations, festivals, seasons. The, the, the planting season, the reaping season. In Israel, there's many seasons. There's many uh, festivals. There's Passover. There's, there's Pentecost. There's uh, Sukkot or the tabernacle. So, so, so it's all by the, the signs and the seasons and the stars. And we know exactly where we are in the year. And it's for signs for these appointed times. But also, I believe that God has set the stars and the moon and the sun in place as a sign, a prophetic sign. In fact, um, it says in Numbers 24, it's speaking about the, 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 the sign of, of, of really Jesus coming. Um, 
And, and also it says many times in the Old Testament about the, the sun being turned to, to, to blood, uh, to turn red. Now, this is happening in increasing um, um, frequency recently in the last 10 years in the world. So many blood moons and it, it, it seems to be signs. Now, uh, there was a big sign that the end times is coming and, and it's mentioned in Joel, the book of Joel. And it's mentioned in Acts chapter 2 where Peter talks about the end times. And, and we're going to read also um, in Revelation 6 in the end times we're going to know it's the end times because of some things happening in the sky, in the stars. Revelation 6, 12 and 8, 12. I watched as he opened the sixth seal and there was a great earthquake and the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. Sounds like in a big eclipse. And the whole moon turned blood red, which is because of the sun and the moon. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the earth was struck, a third of the moon. That means a third of the moon's light a third of the stars so that a third of them turned black there's something in the sky a third of the sky was without light and also a third of the night i think this is talking about um atmospheric pollution and and maybe from wars and or maybe from 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 volcanoes um you know a hundred years ago there was a big volcano in indonesia called krakatoa and it said it was so big it affected the world's light for a year and so it could be it could be pollution, it could be nuclear fallout, it could be um, earth uh, uh, volcanic activity. But the future talks about you will know certain things by the sky. So I'm not going to tell you all the secrets here. There are probably books about that, but I want to say it's not just light, but there are future events that we can see God has set in the stars and in the moon and in the sun. This is the end of day four. So we've got one more day to go, one more day in our study today, and um, it's day five. Day five is Genesis 1, verse 20 to 23, and God starts to fill the earth with other, well, with, with, with moving creatures. It's talking about insects, it's talking about birds, it's talking about fish, it's, it's, it's not yet the mammals, it's not yet the big animals, but it's, it's, it's the other stuff, it's the next increase on the earth. Day five, verse 1 verse 20, Genesis 1 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth creeping things. It's the word nefesh. I'll come back to that later. It's living creatures among living creatures and birds flying on the earth against the firmament of the sky. And it became so. It was so. And God made the great sea monsters that be like the whales and the sharks, I guess, uh, and every creature, every nephesh, every living being among, among um, creeping animals. So that's like your reptiles, that's your insects, which the water brought forth according to their own kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that they were good, tov, in order. It's all ready. Verse 22, and God blessed them. Now, this is really, really important word in the whole Bible. It's over a thousand times the word blessed is you, the Hebrew word barak. You're going to hear that a lot or see that a lot. Blessing, 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 blessing. God loves to bless what he makes. He makes and he blesses, all right? And God blessed them saying, increase and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And it came to be evening and it came to be morning the fifth day. The end of the fifth day, we've now got... Um, 
um, everything except mammals and man and woman on the earth. We've got, we've got um, I guess we've got bugs and we've got uh, insects and we've got birds and reptiles and frogs and, and uh, sea creatures and, and fish and, and uh, slimy eels and, and snakes and uh, everything there except the, ma- the mammals are coming in day six, all right? So I just want to get a few things to mention. One, it says these are called nefesh. Now, the word nefesh in the Hebrew Bible means living creature. And it even says insects or whatever is living creatures. Um, it, it's, a, it's a thing that has a life force. The most amazing thing is that, that no human being can make nefesh except God. No one can make an insect. No one can even make a microcellular organism from nothing. No one can make it. God makes everything and gives it life, this life force. This life force called nefesh. I love this. It means that, that animals uh, also have a life force. Now, human beings have a different life force. We have a soul. We have a thinking capacity. We have a capacity to connect with God and, 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 and have great uh, communication. Man and woman are different, but all human things, sorry, all living things have a life force that God gives to his creation. I love this. It's great. It means their life. It's given by God. Number two, again, it says everything according to their own kind. There's not an evolution. There is an adaption. Now, we had this conversation in my office the other day with one of my leaders. We've got to understand there is a thing called adaption. If I get in the sun a lot, I get brown skin. If I, if I live in the cold, no sun area, my skin goes whiter. That's not evolution. That's called adaption. Adaption happens in nature too, where an animal gets somewhere and it's camouflage or changes. Um, that's not evolution. It belongs to the same species, right? There's no crossover of species occurring uh, either in, in fossil evidence, um, in history, in science. Right now, there's no transitional forms occurring because God said it's according to its own nature. Now, there are some animals that have mated together, a, a lion and a tiger. They called it a liger. And it's true. There is actually um, baby uh, or, or, or next generation ligers, but they are infertile. Their sperm and eggs cannot reproduce again. So that dies out. So um, God says their type stays as it is. So a tiger and a lion are separate forever because God said so. And my last point really for the whole video is this word blessing. The word blessing is to speak well over. It also means to lean towards and give something good. It's a leaning in and giving something good. So when God blesses us, it's leaning in and blessing us. We can bless God too. It says that, you know, Abraham and others bless the Lord. Uh, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. There's a leaning in and a giving of something good. Thanksgiving. It doesn't mean we outgive God. It just means the concept of blessing is a very, very good word. We need to be people that love the word blessing. God is a God of blessing. Now, with the blessing here, there was four outcomes. And it's actually poetry because listen to how these four words sound in Hebrew. You don't have to memorize any of this, but listen to the four words. Peru, Ravu, Milu, Rabu. God says, I bless you and you will do those four things. It's poetry so that people can remember that blessing brings uh, peru, ravu, milu, rabu. They, it, 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 it's, a, 
It's, a, it's an understanding that the blessing is good. And, and we're going to see this again in our study number five, where God blesses um, Adam and Eve and tells them to go and do something similar. And so the concept of blessing is on the earth. God says it's good. It's in order. He says it is so. It is right. It's a house getting ready for day six, where God creates man and woman and God says it is very good. Tov me'od. Not just in order, but really, really in order when God puts man and woman into the home and God becomes their God. I'm praying for you right now that you would know the God of creation. He loves you. He's made a home for you. He is a God of the home. He's, he's living in our lives as Christians. He's created the beautiful planet for us. He speaks. He speaks to us. He blesses us. He's with us. I believe in a supernatural God. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. You are our God. You are creator and you love your creation. You love your beautiful creation. And we thank you, Lord, you're in control and it's good and it's right. And you're our God. And we thank you. You are blessing our lives in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you.